I invite you to open God's Word with me to Genesis chapter 22. It is so good to be with you this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for singing out and being an encouragement to each other, an encouragement to me. And most of all, a blessing to God, the one we have been singing about. We want to use God's Word this morning to allow Him to continue to touch our hearts and shape our hearts and enhance our understanding of how awesome it is to be approaching this Zion that we have been singing about this morning. We've spent a little bit of this summer taking in the view of a few of the mountains in the Bible. Several weeks ago, we figuratively went up Mount Ararat. And we learned just as our children learned. Now, several weeks ago in vacation Bible school, our God keeps His promises. And after that, we figuratively scaled Mount Zion and did our best to soak in this singular fact. Our God is an awesome God. And from there we went up to Mount Carmel and we learned, we, we saw in a crystal clear way that there is only one God. Most recently we scaled the Mount of Transfiguration and we heard from heaven itself, we need to listen to God's Son. I've appreciated you going on that little journey with me. But in many ways, everywhere we have been, all of those trails ultimately lead here. I want to try and show you that this morning. As we take in the view from Mount Zion, I've had the luxury of thinking about this now for a few months as we were preparing for vacation Bible school and then preparing this sermon. But I've got to tell you, I'm even to this moment, I'm not sure that in 30, 35 minutes we can encapsulate the view from Mount Zion as it deserves. How do you summarize 2,000 years of mind-blowing significance? I'd like to start here in Genesis 22 with you and... Even here, we're going to uncover the hope of Zion. I hope that you have been paying attention to the words that we have sung together. Because any time we sing about Zion, we are singing a song of hope. And I'd suggest to you that hope can be summarized in just three words, here it is, God will provide. That is the hope of Zion. God 
will provide. And it begins all the way back in the heart of the very first book of the Bible. We don't possibly have time to read the entire scene. I just want to summarize it for you and then continue to take in this view. But perhaps you remember how in Genesis 22, God called Abraham to offer his son. His own son on one of the mountains. At that point, it was known as the mountains of Moriah. If your Bible is open there to verse 1 of Genesis chapter 22, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And I'd encourage you just to tuck that language in the back of your mind. Your only son, whom you love. And I want you to take that son, go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. It was a great journey from where Abraham and Isaac were at that point. But they begin to make that journey. And at some point toward the end of that journey, Isaac begins looking around. You look at verse 7 where Isaac says to Abraham, my father. Here I am, my son. Isaac says, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham, in a statement of incredible faith, says, God will provide. 4,000 years after this event, that is still the hope of Zion. God will provide. We get our first glimpse of it here when Abraham by faith says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And in fact, he does that. He allows Abraham to get to the point where the knife is above Abraham's head ready to offer his son as God has told him to. And an angel of the Lord disrupts the whole thing. And Abraham sees a ram right there, caught in a thicket. And the language there in Genesis 22 is very deliberate. Abraham now is able to offer a ram instead of his son. And this as you can imagine, makes such an impression on Abraham that in verse 14, he gives a name to that place. What is that name? It is the hope of Zion. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. We can open our Bibles to 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, I should say. 2 Samuel chapter 5, and as we go from Genesis 22 to 2 Samuel 5, we are fast-forwarding 1,000 years 
Think about that. A thousand years after Abraham is ready to offer his own son, young King David approaches what was known in 2 Samuel 5 and verse 7 as the stronghold of Zion. It was not under Israelite control. It was a Jebusite city known as Jerusalem. David approaches that city. He's able to, to capture that city. He makes that city his capital. And for 3,000 years, people have looked at that city with this hope. The Lord will provide. What doesn't become extremely clear to us as we're reading our Bibles until we go to 2 Chronicles chapter 3 is that David's son Solomon has his capital in this same city, the stronghold of Zion, the city of Jerusalem. And what does What does Solomon build there? 2 Chronicles 3 and verse 1 tells us that he began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. How do you summarize 2,000 years worth of mind-blowing eternity-shaping significance. Here it is at its most basic level. From where you and I sit today, 4,000 years ago, Abraham was prepared to offer his only son on a ridge of the mountains of Moriah. A thousand years after Abraham, David captures that city, makes it his capital city, and eventually David's son, Solomon, builds the temple on what had come to be known in Zion as Mount Moriah. And at this point, rather than trying to thumb through, I would just encourage you to read with me on the screen Nowhere in the Bible do we get a sense so clearly of what this meant to Abraham's descendants than we do in the book of Psalms. And so let me just give you the briefest of tours as we try and take in this incredible view. In the mind of the Jewish people from that point forward, Zion came to be known as God's holy hill. Psalm 2 and verse 6. God says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Zion was in the minds of these people where God sat enthroned. Psalm 9, verse 11, sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his deeds. I mean, this was where their forefather acted in such great 
faith. And God provided a lamb so that their family line could flourish. This was where their greatest king established the stronghold that came to be the nation of Israel. This was where the crown jewel of their kingdom was, the temple of the Lord. And so it's no wonder as poets reflected on the significance of this city, they they would speak of it as, well, that is the hope of our salvation. That is its source. Psalm 14, verse 7. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. Even in hard times, they would say to one another, when the Lord restores the fortunes of His people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Because this was the place where God had made Himself known. Known as a fortress. Psalm 48 verse 1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north. The city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. In the minds of Jews, this was the perfection of beauty. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of of beauty, God shines forth. And so generation after generation, it begins to serve as As a symbol, if we trust in the Lord. Listen to Psalm 125 verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Remember from our brief time in Genesis 22. This was a range of mountains. And one came to be known as Mount Moriah, Mount Zion. And you just listen to this beautiful picture. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth forevermore. Open your Bible with me to Isaiah chapter 2 in your Old Testament. If the Psalms give us the the clearest picture of what this city, this mountain, represented in the hearts of so many for so long. The second book in which we get the clearest glimpse of hope. even in the darkest of times, is surely in Isaiah. You could spend all day just searching for Zion in the book of Isaiah, and you'd run out of time. 
Let me give you just a sampling in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. This glorious promise, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Listen to that language. This is where every aspect of God's plan is ultimately converging and many people shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law they already had the law of Moses And they had been terribly unfaithful to their covenant with God. And now they were living in the fulfillment of those curses that God had promised through Moses centuries before. Where do we go from here? We look to Mount Zion. We still allow this this heartbeat of hope to continue to be God will provide. Something new is going to go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord in a fresh way from Jerusalem. At the other end of Isaiah, this time Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 20. Zion was a promise of hope in Israel's darkest days because God promised a Redeemer was going to come. Someone was going to come and untangle the mess that God's chosen people had made. Isaiah 59 and verse 20, a Redeemer will come to Zion. A Redeemer will come to those who are willing to turn from their transgressions. And when that Redeemer comes, God is going to start building something new. God himself is going to provide the cornerstone of a new foundation. Isaiah 28, therefore thus says the Lord God, behold... I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. And you listen to this promise. Whoever believes you don't have to run away from this foundation. In fact, you shouldn't run away from this foundation. This is where you stay. And you build your life. And you open your Bible with me quickly to the Gospel of Matthew, if you will. Matthew chapter 21. Two thousand years after Abraham was ready to give his only son, the son whom he loved. A thousand years after Solomon builds the temple. At just the right time. Matthew 21 verse 1. 
When Jesus and his disciples drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. Matthew pauses and looks at us and wants to make sure that we understand he's fulfilling one of God's great promises. You remember the hope of Zion? The Lord will provide. Do you remember how hundreds of years before God had promised, say to the daughter Of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples go and they do just as Jesus had directed them. They bring the donkey and the colt and they put their cloaks on it and and he sits on them and most of the crowd spreads their cloaks on the road and cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus tops the Mount of Olives, one of the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. And as he does, he is celebrated. Hosanna, praise be to God for this son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 2,000 years before, God provided a lamb so Abraham could offer the lamb instead of his own son. And right here, the Father in heaven gives his own son. So that he could suffer instead of me and instead of you. And so in our last few moments together, would you go with me to the book of Hebrews, to the other end of the Bible? How in the world do you summarize 2,000 years of such incredible significance that echoes all the way down to where you and I are even this very morning? I want to lean on the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 because here is the pivot. Here is where application begins to be made. Therefore, let us. It's the theme of Hebrews chapter 12. And I suggest to you what I need to hear on this first day of the week after a long and busy and hard and hectic week, whatever it is that you've gone through, as we gather together in the name of our King, as we gather together searching for the will of our Creator, as we gather together in search of significance that is greater than anything and everything that this fleeting world has to offer. I need to hear, and you need to hear, 
The admonition in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Isn't that the theme of every mountain we've been on this summer? Don't refuse to listen to your Creator. He is not silent. He is not distant. He is not hard to find. For thousands of years He has preserved what the meaning of life and the purpose of our existence is all about. And we royally made a mess of it. And so God provided His own Son. Instead of giving us what we deserve on this mountain 2,000 years ago, in the same area, God provides the lamb. Would you not agree with me then that he has every right to say, would you please not take that for granted? I gave my son for you. Would you please learn the lessons of those who refused to listen to me in the past? And realize that you live on this side of the greatest gift of all. Don't refuse to listen. Number two. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. And you've heard most of you that that, that verse before. But let me put it in the context of where we've been over the course of, of these five weeks. Our race is not to the top of Mount Ararat. Never has God told any of us to build an ark. It's an example teaching us that God keeps His promises. We go back and we study, we take in the view of Mount Sinai. But we don't look to Moses as our Savior. We don't walk according to that, that old law of Moses. Our God is an an awesome God, but that's not our race. And we can go up to Mount Carmel and, and we can see historically just the incredible way that God taught so many thousands of people a lesson on that day. And we, we, we remember there's only one God, but we don't look, listen to me, we don't look merely to a prophet or a good teacher or even a miracle worker as our deliverer. We don't even try and figure out exactly where the Mount of Transfiguration was so we can go build a tabernacle or a temple or a, a monument up there because that, even that, was not the most pivotal moment of all as Ivory tried to get us to think about just a, a few minutes ago. No, the race that is set before us It's to Mount Zion. Hebrews 12 verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses like Elijah and Moses and Peter and James and John, 
But this is where the rubber meets the road. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Because what is the hope of Zion? God will provide. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He, for the joy that was set before Him, gave His life on a cross on this mountain, despising the shame, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so you look down at verse 18, what's our race? The writer makes it abundantly clear. You've not come to what may be touched. We're not talking about a literal physical mountain. Our great hope is not that somehow all of the turmoil in the literal physical Middle East would untangle itself so we can literally go and touch and and stand on and build something great on that mountain. No, this Mount Zion is the spiritual reality behind what God was doing for 2,000 years. We're not coming to a mountain where there was a, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoke to them. What's the writer saying? Our God is an awesome God. But as disciples of Jesus, this isn't the hope. No, they couldn't endure the order that was given. If even a a beast touches that Mount Sinai, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you know who didn't tremble? To do what the Father in heaven said was necessary in our stead. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. We are gathered this morning in the name of a king who has a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I appreciated Roger setting the tone for us this morning. As much as we love the the country in which we live, Our race is not to the White House. Our race is not to the Capitol. Our race is not up a corporate ladder. Our race is not dream retirement. Lots of us, I hope all of us in this room, have chosen heaven over hell. The question is, Are we willing to choose heaven even over this earth? Because this earth gets shaken all the time. Kingdoms of men get shaken all the time. But we are gathered in the name of a king who has a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so let us on this Lord's Day, offer to this God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Our God is a consuming fire and He is calling us to the spiritual reality 
of what he did over the course of 2,000 years. Hebrews 12, verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion. Listen to me, if you remember nothing else from this sermon, I hope that it awakens your, your mind to look for how often Zion is in the great anthems that we sing together. Appreciate Dylan selecting several of those for this morning. We sang, we started off by singing, we shall assemble on the mountain. Here it is. We shall assemble at the throne with humble hearts into his presence. We bring an offering of song. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. And so we sang together this morning. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching to Zion, the beautiful city of God. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. And so before we're done this morning, we're going to sing, there is a habitation built by the living God for all of every nation who seek that grand abode. A city with foundations firm as the eternal throne. Listen as you sing. No wars nor desolations shall ever move a stone. No night is there, no sorrow, no death. No decay. No yesterday, no morrow, but one eternal day. You've come to innumerable angels who are celebrating will sing within its pearly portals angelic armies sing with glorified immortals the praises of its king we've sung how on Zion's glorious throne, a numerous host redeemed by blood, they hymned their king in strains divine. My prayer for you all week has been that you would hear that song and strive to join. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is where every road leads. Every single road. Whether you choose to believe in God or not, whether you choose to appreciate what He has done with His only Son, whether you ever respond, however you choose to spend your life, every single road ends before his throne. He is the judge of all. But the hope of Zion is God will provide. 
And He has provided. So that I, with everything that I've done, and you, with everything you're done, you've done, could be made righteous because a sacrifice was made in your stead so that you could be made perfect. His name is Jesus. He is the mediator of the best way to live. The extender to undeserving people of life the way it was meant to be. His blood was sprinkled as a sacrifice for the sins of all of the world. God has provided. And so as we stand and sing how a call sweetly rings this morning from the summit of Mount Zion, Maybe you find yourself exactly where thousands of people did, literally standing on Mount Zion. Our God is amazing. How He has woven all of this together. 2,000 years ago, thousands of people stood and they heard this message on Mount Zion and they asked, what shall we do? And they were told, turn. Start listening to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. God has provided. This is hope. 3,000 people did that day. And ever since, not a stone of God's kingdom has been moved. If you're ready to come face to face with this Jesus who gave his life for you, and to answer that gospel call, the call of Zion. If we can pray with you in his name as your brother or sister in Christ this morning, Zion's call is ringing for you. Would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing?